This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Before we get into it, we have another clue for our quiz because no one's got it yet. Not quite yet. Clue number four. I chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. If you know the answer, if you know who this person was, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text with the correct answer at 0491-064-669. And if you are the first person to call in with the correct answer, we, of course, will be sending you a copy of Decoding Bible Prophecy by Ron Clozo. I think I think you've given us different pronunciation every time. One of them is going to be correct, but anyway, that's okay. It's all good. Um, that's the book that you'll be getting. So give us a call right now one eight hundred three two four eight four three. And Liam, I just have to ask you before we get to our Bible study, you got anything special planned for today? No, why? You sure you've got nothing special planned for today? Not that I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> I see how this works. See, I, I mean, you might find out. You might find out. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> I was trying to see if he could slip. Okay, so if you've got something special planned for today, or if you've actually already done something special, maybe even better if you've done something special, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and tell us how it went. I wouldn't call it something. I don't know if "special" is the right word, but uh, now keep it safe. Yeah, keep. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't offend anybody. No. It is, of course. There is one thing that was happening that was very not safe and very offending people that I heard going around. Yeah, let's not go down those kind of paths. No. Uh, but, you know, bubble wrap under the carpet is always an interesting one. Indeed. You could know, do something harmless like that. It's never going to hurt anyone or cut out a uh, cut out a massive spider on paper. I actually tape, I, it, tape I will, it to the inside of a lampshade. That'll get some people going. I will but, mention the one that that I was just talking about because, on the surface, it doesn't necessarily seem that bad. But in the time that we're in, it certainly is. And it's joking about being sick. I yes, I don't think this is a very inappropriate yeah, point in, in time, time to that take a in, a April Fool's Day joke about being ill. Yeah, that's stick clear of bad those taste. Ones. Bad yeah. taste. Very bad taste. Um, yeah, so there's a few But anything else Anything else you can come up with yeah, Run through your uh, craft box Take out, um, you know, all of the eyes And stick them to all the fruit in the fridge You know, something, yeah. something, something fun like that Let's, let's, make, uh, let's make During quarantine we need to be having some fun So make sure that you have some fun Make sure, of course, that you do it before midday Those are the rules Indeed And uh, let's have some fun on this April the 1st Okay, so we need to get into our Bible study, and we also need to remind you that this Saturday, of course, we're going to have a small group Bible study right here, 9.30 to 10.30 on Faith FM. It'll be live. It'll be talkback. It'll be an opportunity for people to be able to uh, communicate and to be able to have a Bible study discussion right here on Faith FM Radio. And so myself, Matt Parra, will uh, be taking care of that. Liam. Yes. 
You have something to share. Yeah, I was just informed by producer she- by producer Shell that we have a winner for our quiz. Ah, oh, fantastic. Caleb from Wall's End call, uh, called in with the correct answer of Moses. Well done, Caleb. Congratulations. Free book coming your direction. Uh, please enjoy. Indeed. Okay, so let's go to our Bible study, which is all about prophecy today. Just in case you didn't get enough prophecy in the last uh, section of our Bible study um, over the last few weeks, we've got more of it today. And so this is a particularly good section because it's all about messianic prophecies. But before we get to it, when it comes to understanding the Bible, this is one of the things that one of the one of the critical aspects to understanding, you know, the nature of the Bible itself. So most religions have a sacred text of some sort, a holy book or holy books that are kind of their guide for life. And for most religions, those are books that deal with you know things like ethics, how to how to live an ethical life. Yeah. And for the most part, they're going to present good ethics. Uh, I've read, you know, um, extensive in some of these uh, holy books and, and, and you see, you know, for the most part, it's like good solid ethics. This is a good way to live. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with, with obviously some, you know, dodgy stuff thrown in here and there as well. But when it comes to the Bible, the Bible is unique in that... 30% of the Bible is predictive prophecy. Yeah. Now, what I find interesting about that is that the predictive prophecy in the Bible is the least studied and least read portions of the Bible. What do you think that is? I think that Christianity in modern times has developed into a very relational religion. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, because you know it's actually a very positive thing. It has emphasized the need for our relationship with God. That is an emphasis that has not existed in the past. It has come at a certain cost, though, because it has resulted in a religion that is divided yeah. um, along gender lines. So we have a, unlike any other religion, we have a gender split. Yep. Um, 60% women, 30% men. Yep. Because we have cre- we have you know we have emphasized those parts of Christianity that appeal to people who are more relational um, in the way that they are, yeah, and so that creates its own unique challenges we've you know we've sort of we've almost looked down on the intellectual aspects of Christianity as being well, you know that's not real Christianity, that's not real religion um, and yeah, we, we've definitely we've definitely missed something there. No other religion has that, by the way. No other religion has that gender split. So, you know, some people have said, "Oh, this is you know, women are just naturally more uh, spiritual than what men are." That's not the case because you only have a gender split in Christianity. Yeah. But one of the areas that I think that would particular or does particularly appeal to men is predictive prophecy. Yeah. You know, we love things that we can get our teeth into and we can, you know, we can prove it. Getting down and dirty with it. Yeah, absolutely. Get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. And so 30% of the Bible is made up of predictive prophecy. And it is, um, it, that, those are all parts that we can, uh, yeah, really, you know, you can study history, you can dig out all of the fine details on it. It's amazing. But it's very, very rarely preached today. 
you will rarely, rarely hear this kind of material, but we're going to get stuck into some of it this morning. We're going to start, get stuck into some messianic prophecies this morning. Just to give a bit of an example of predictive prophecy in the Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 49, verse 8 through 12. Please, Liam. Genesis 49, verses 8, which is right here. Okay, verses 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He, vashes, he, sorry, he washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Okay, so that's an interesting uh, passage right there. Um, let's just work our way through some of the details. What are some of the details that we're given in this particular uh, passage? Well, coming towards the end of uh, to, to verse 12, it, or, uh, sorry, 11... Uh, yeah, 11 and 12. He washes his clothes in wine, his grapes, in uh, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine. His teeth are whiter than milk. So that's getting about, you know, facial recognition specifics. Um, and then there's in other areas, uh, it's sort of in the, the earlier verses of that, it's talking about uh, more actions and rather what, events or such will happen. Okay, so here's an interesting thought, though. The Bible speaks about he washes his, uh, he washes his robes in blood. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, the blood of grapes, it says here. The highly symbolic language, what is the Bible symbolizing here when it refers to good? And this is one of the things that you'll find with you know, the prophecies in relationship to the Messiah, is you find this really, really symbolic language coming through. What kind of symbolism do you see happening here? Um, I like to think of it. I think of um, when we do communion. Absolutely, um, talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah, during communion, we talk how the 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 wine we drink or the grape juice we drink is represents the blood of Jesus and the bread we, we eat is the body of Christ. Um, so I think that's, I'd like to think that that's what that's referring to there, how the, the robes were washed in the blood of Jesus. Absolutely. And you've got a whole bunch of prophecies um, that are very, very similar to this that you know carry the same kind of thought through where Jesus' robes are washed in blood. Yep. And, of course, um, so you've got two different symbols here, white and blood coming together. Yep. And in the Bible, blood is what makes things white. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us white Yes, uh, and washes away our sins. Which in scientific terms doesn't make a lot of sense, but in uh, biblical terms and spiritual terms, it's it's really quite something special. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so let's go on to our next verse that we have to look at here. And we're going to look up. Uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, let me see here. Psalms 22, verse 12 to 18. Some interesting uh, points to draw out of this passage. Psalms 22, 12 to 18. 
Okay, so that says 1 before 23, which of course is the one about the shepherd. Uh, anyway, 22, what verse was it again? Uh, that's 22, 12 to 18. 12 to 18, okay. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. The li- uh, Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves, throw dice for my clothing. Now, this is an interesting prophecy because it is obviously a, uh, speaking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Indeed. However, the Bible says here that they would pierce his hands and his feet. What's that a reference to? When he's on the cross. When he's on the cross. What I find most fascinating about this is that this is a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. Yeah. That this prophecy is made, and of course, it goes on and gives you know some very specific details there, including the fact that um, the you know his his clothes are going to be you know they're going to throw dice, they're going to cast lots, cast lots to divide up his clothes because you know as it turns out, Jesus doesn't have any seams in his clothes. Is um, but when you come to you know, the fact that they pierce his hands and his feet, that's a clear reference to crucifixion, except that crucifixion did not exist then. No. Had not even been invented and wouldn't be invented for at least another 700 years. Yeah, I had to think of the person that, that invented that. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't. There's a long list of really, really awful things that were invented yeah. back in the way, really, really horrible ways of killing people and. Even- and General things since then as well. Oh yeah, you know the Assyrians had a, had specialized in a way of being able to impale people in a way that they would stay alive. They figured out that if you you know passed the impaling just in the right stake from one end of the body right through to the other, then they could do it in a way that you would actually live and you would and you would survive. You know that for you know up to a number of days, um, and so there's some really really horrific forms of torture that were created, and so we sort of think about that and you say so, say so you're living back in a thousand. You know, BC, and you're thinking, okay, Jesus is going to be died in the worst pla- worst way possible. Are you going to think of him dying by having his feet and his hands pierced? Yeah. You know, that's a very unique and very specific prophecy. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, about Jesus Christ. And Dr. James Strange, who was a famous mathematician, calculated the odds of all of those being fulfilled in one man as being the equivalent of filling uh, the state of New South Wales with $2 coins um, to about knee deep. Yeah. Taking one out. Yeah. Painting it. Yes. Tossing it or putting a mark on it. Tossing it into... Any random place in New South Wales, and then sending someone, and then sending to, find someone to find it, and they picking up on their first go. Wow, now, those are, those, are, those are impossible odds. And this was a person, Jesus was a person who fulfilled all of those odds, all of those details in relationship to being the Messiah. 
Okay, one of the most famous uh, prophecies of the Messiah is Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 through 7. So let's uh, read what we get, what we have here. Isaiah 53, 3 to 7. I've uh, got some great passages. While he's looking that up, just a quick reminder, we're having a small group Bible study right here on Faith FM this Saturday morning, 9.30 to 10.30. Many of you are um, accustomed to having a small group Bible study that hour of the day. Well, you can join in right here. It will be talkback. It will be live. You can be part of a discussion group, and we'll be bringing it to you. Okay, so what have you got there for us? Uh, where were we? Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 to 7. Okay. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with, despi- with deepest grief. He turned our backs, we turned our backs on him, looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Okay, I'd like to focus here on verse 9. Uh, in verse nine, it says he made his grave with the wicked and with his rich in his in, and with the rich in his death. What does your translation say there? Mine says he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Okay, so buried like a criminal and put in a rich man's grave. That almost sounds like a very, very contradictory prophecy, wouldn't it you does. say? It does, yes. It's, uh, it's like, okay, how can you be buried like a criminal and put in a rich man's grave? Well, the reality is that Jesus was executed. He faced the ultimate sentence ever carried out on a human being, and that is death. Yes. You don't get a greater sentence than the sentence of death. And Jesus receives the sentence of death. Yes. Um, he's executed for, you know, this is a sentence that is reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst criminals. And yet the Bible says, even though he would be executed as the worst of the criminals, then he would be placed into a rich man's grave. And this is 700 years before that happened, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus was executed as a criminal, and he was placed in the grave of the single wealthiest individual in the city of Jerusalem at that time, Joseph of Arimathea. Yes. So you you start to add these prophecies together, and you find one after another where they actually are, you know, every single one of them fulfilled exactly as it was stated they would. While we're on that subject, let's go over to Psalms chapter 16. I wonder if you could read for us verse 10. Psalm 16. Psalms chapter 16. And we will look at verse 10. Uh, if you could read that one there for us, please. Okay, So, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Okay, so this is interesting because we... We do honour the graves yep. and the resting places of famous people. Yeah. 
Even famous people from the very distant past. You can go to Iran today. You can visit the tomb of Cyrus the Great. Yeah. You can visit the tombs of many, if not most, of the pharaohs who ruled. Yeah. Uh, in modern ages, any great person, you know, they end up having a very, very fancy tomb and you can go and visit those tombs and remember that, you know, particular individual, particularly, you know, people who, you know, played a significant role in our world a lot and of, in um, religious affairs. A lot of Catholic churches have got, or some of them have got uh, someone... They all like to have yeah. somebody famous buried in their crypt. Yeah. Um, you know, a saint or, you know, a high-ranking church official or so forth. This is this is what we do. It's part of, you know, how we operate as human beings. But where is the tomb of Jesus? Mm. Where is the memorial for the tomb of Jesus? It's not there because his tomb is completely empty, nothing in it. This is Abby Eaton.
You were listening to Abby Eaton with Man of Sorrows. And I think I said something about the gender split in the Christian churches being 60-30. It was 60-40. Yes. There is 100% there was a, people. There was 10%. I wasn't sure if you might have been referencing children being a different no. percentage, but I'd imagined that children would be more the, than 10%. The gender split is 60-40. Anyway. Yes. Okay. To make 100. Where are we up to? Let's go to... This is an interesting one. Let's go to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah 5. Verse 2, you'll find that uh, just before the beginning of the New Testament. So, Do you know I've got a brother named Micah? There you go. What a great name. There we go. Micah chapter... 5 and verse 2. 5 and verse 2. It One says... those names that's had a bit of a resurgence lately. I know a bunch of Micahs. Yeah. We call yeah. him Mike. Yeah. And I never imagined... I never pictured calling him Mike because the name Mike is spelled M-I-C-A. Yep. It hasn't got Mike in it because that's with a K. But um, we call him Mike. Yeah. That's the Aussie way right Indeed. there. Some people think it's referring to the um, the mineral. Yeah. But it's not. That's spelled differently. Okay. Indeed. Anyway, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past. Okay, this is an interesting prophecy. Very, very specific. Where does the Bible say that Jesus will be born? Bethlehem. Which Bethlehem? Bethlehem. Bethlehem in Dan, Bethlehem in Pennsylvania, or Bethlehem? Ephrathah. In Ephrathah. Okay, so you've got a very, very specific... It's, it, it tells you actually, and, and of course at this particular time, there were two Bethlehems, and now we have three and probably a whole bunch more. It's like, but three that I've been to. Been, it's like no we one. live in Walls End, Newcastle, not Walls End, Walls End in England or whatever it is. Should type in Beth, type Bethlehem into uh, Google Maps and see how many of them there are around the world. But anyway, Bethlehem Ephratar is where the Bible says that Jesus would be born. The problem is that the parents of Jesus didn't live anywhere near Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. That's 130 kilometers away. Now we say, well, 130 kilometers, that's not far. It is a long, long way when you've got to walk it and a particularly long way when you are full-term pregnant. I just chucked it into Google Maps yeah, how many and I found got? five of them came up. None of them are the one in, in uh, near, that Jesus was born in. And the closest one to us is in New Zealand. Oh, there you go. All right. So you want to go to Bethlehem? You might have to uh, wait, till the, wait till the coronavirus is over and then head across to New Zealand. That'll be the closest one for Australia. But uh, you can go to the original one. It's still there in Israel. And there are some amazing sites, some really genuine sites there that you can visit in Bethlehem in Israel, which is a bit of a rarity. So often you go to sites like, oh, well, we think this happened here, whereas there you can go, it's like, yeah, we're pretty certain or we're, you know, we're 99% certain that this is where, you know, this and this and this took place. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that, that's a great place to go. Nazareth wasn't anywhere near. That's 130 kilometers away. So have you ever walked 130K? The furthest I have ever walked was 60 kilometers. And how long did that take? That took us four days. Okay, so how long is it going to take? It's going to take you eight days to walk 130. Oh, I reckon I reckon you could do it quicker than that. Absolutely. Um, we, when we did it, I, I did the part of an expedition for a school um, up the up the road here. Yep. Not the one just down the road, but like... One here in the Newcastle One here in region. the New South Wales region. Okay. Um, I did a, a, an expedition with them on Fraser Island in... Queensland, and yes. we did a 60-kilometre hike over four days. However, we were going at a bit of a steady pace. That's a Yeah, that's quite a steady pace. Yeah. So if you were powering through, uh-huh. I reckon you could do 
you could do it in less than eight days, I reckon. I reckon you could do it in less than a week. Okay. All right. If, if you did, did power it through, do you reckon? Do you reckon? Do you reckon um, Joseph could power through that? Possibly. The most I've yeah, done in one day, he was fit and healthy yeah. and a carpenter and all yeah. that kind of thing. The most I've done in one day was twenty kilometres. No, I've done twenty-seven. Yeah. So, it's not hard. well, actually, I probably have done more, but the most that I can remember that yeah. I was actually keeping track. Okay, so that's 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 reasonable. Yeah. All right, but you come from a large family. I do. And you have you're the oldest of your family. I am indeed. How do you think your mum would go? Full-term pregnant on a 130-kilometre hike. Um, oh, she'd certainly she'd do her best. She'd power through. She, I might, don't, she, might, she might struggle she a bit. Might not, she might she, not do it in eight days. She's an absolute trooper, but it, I don't know if she'd quite But she wouldn't up. choose to do that, and this is my point. She would not no. choose that if she could choose anything else. No. At, so, at, so, at that point, you'd be wanting to sort of settle in and... That's right. Just get ready to pump a watermelon out. Yes. And so... Um, here you've got Joseph and Mary. Mary comes to full-term pregnant. Yeah. And they're 130 kilometres away from Bethlehem. And at that particular point, if I was Joseph and Mary, I'm thinking, well, you know, the angel did make this prophecy about our child being the Messiah. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case because the Bible says the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. We don't live anywhere near the place. No. And then right on time, Caesar Augustus, Octavius, makes a decree that all the world is going to be taxed, he's going to take a census. Everyone is forced to go to their hometown for that purpose. Indeed. And so Joseph and Mary are forced to make a 130-kilometer trek when she is full-term pregnant. Yeah. Just as the Bible said. And, you know, if that hadn't taken place, then it wouldn't have happened. But Mm. you can kind of see how many of these prophecies, as they start to come up, you're like, yep. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. It's going to fail. It didn't fail. didn't fail. That's right. I remember in 2016, I think it was, when Australia had their census. Had our, we had our census. And it was a much, a much more modernized one where they just sent a, a piece of, sent something out in the mail, you filled it out. And um, whoever was in your household that night, whether it was a, a regular thing or not, you filled it out for that many people. You know, you didn't have to go back to where you originally came from. You didn't have to go to where you actually live. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how how times change. But yet we still do these censuses just to that there is a purpose to it to see how many people are actually living in a certain area. Yeah, indeed we do. Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter seven, verse fourteen. Let's look at another uh, prophecy right here. I'm going to read this one from the probably going to read this one from the KJV. I'm probably going to read it from the KJV. Right. I'll hear, hear what yours has to say first. All right. I think it's going to be dodgy. I think yours is going to be very dodgy. <laughs> I'll take okay, Isaiah for. chapter 7 and verse 14. Verse 14. Let's see, let's see if yours and mine say something quite different here. Mine says, All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. There you go. Yours wasn't dodgy. And saying that though, the bit that says God, which means God is with us, that is in brackets. Okay, the piece that I wanted to focus on was that a virgin shall give birth. Oh, okay. Well, that does have an asterisk next to it. Because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, it just says a young lady will give birth. Yeah. It's not saying a virgin. The asterisk does does say young woman. Yeah. But in in the bit that I read, you have to go down to the bottom of the page to find what the asterisk says. Here's the important part. In the main bit, it says virgin. The Bible says... Yes. See, the word virgin here can be translated 
as a young woman. There's no problem. There's no difficulty with translating it that way. It simply means a young lady. Yes. Um, it's often been translated as a virgin. And so, so people are like, oh, this is not a prophecy about Jesus. Or Jesus was born of a young lady rather than born of a virgin. And a lot of people really poo-hoo the idea of a virgin birth. Like, how can that be possible? That's impossible. That's ridiculous. You can't have a virgin birth. Yes. Um, the, there's a couple of important points. The first important point is that the Bible says that she was a virgin who had never been with a man. Yes. Okay, so that kind of a virgin. So the Bible is actually quite specific what kind of a virgin Mary was. Yeah. Now, then we come to the problem of the virgin birth and people are like, that's impossible. I'm like, okay, here we have two challenges for God. Let's think about which one is going to be harder. You have the challenge of predicting the event 700 years before it happens. Yeah. Or you have the challenge of actually performing the event, which is the performance of a virgin birth. It's no doubt it's a lot more difficult, but from what I remember... Which one do you think would be more difficult? uh, To For Mary or for... For God. For God, the first one. To predict the event. To make it happen. I'm going to go the other direction because I'm going to come back and give you reasons why in just a moment but first we'll listen to Lauren Daigle with Light of the World The world waits for a miracle The heart longs for a little bit of hope Oh come Oh come Emmanuel A child prays for peace on earth And she's calling now from a sea of hurt Oh come, oh come Emmanuel And can you of a mother The baby's cry is the sound of love Come down Come down Emmanuel Oh He is the song for the suffering He is Messiah The Prince of Peace Has come He has come
Our team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to share God's love with those around you, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Check on your neighbours, especially elderly neighbours, as they may be unable to visit the shops or see family due to quarantines. A note under the door or a letter in the mailbox works too if you want to maintain your distance. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone who might be struggling to get by. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Sunday sitting in the pew alone There are whispers all around him His heart breaks in tune He's wondering who will reach out And help him make it through Who will be Jesus to him Who will show the love that restores him again He doesn't need a judge, he needs a friend Searching for a love that will be true The Savior cries for her to see Himself and me and you Who will be Jesus to her Who will show the love That's commanded in His Word Will she see in us the mighty God we serve Who will be Jesus to her When they look at us, do they see Jesus there? Who will be Jesus to them? Who will show the love that restores them again? They do not need a judge, they need a friend. You're listening to The Forbes Family with Who Will Be Jesus. The Breakfast Show, and we're about to have our um, our question of the day. Before we have a question of the day, I was asking, and I just ran out of time there in that last segment, yeah. which is harder. Is it harder to perform a virgin conception yep. 
or predict the event 700 years before it would happen. And my answer is it's much harder to predict the event than to perform it because we perform virgin conceptions all the time. These days, it's a very simple procedure. Yes. Now, I, I misunderstood what you said before. And based on what you just yeah, said, then, we, we cleared it up in yes. the, uh, we, we cleared up our misconception yes. in the break. Anyway, question of the daytime, what have we got? So, in the news this morning, uh, the, the hourly news, uh, it was mentioned that Queensland could possibly soon be introducing euthanasia for terminally ill patients. Mm hmm. What is, uh, based on that, what is your opinion on euthanasia? Okay, so this is a question that's come through from a listener, probably somebody who, uh, or possibly somebody who uh, is not a regular listener to the show, because if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that we do talk about this on occasions. I think that, uh, well, first of all, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. Yep. So that's what the Bible says. Yep. Um, so my opinion is not really what matters in this case, mm. uh, because you're calling a Christian station for a Christian perspective, and we're going to we're bound to give you a Bible perspective. Yes. From an emotional perspective, you know, if it was just if it was just my emotion speaking, I think I would be in favour of voluntary euthanasia. Yeah. But from a biblical perspective, it is absolutely impossible for me to accept that. You know, if I once I place God into the equation, and I'll share with you the reason why I've. I've been with people who have been terminally ill mm. and seen people pray over them, anoint them with oil, as the Bible says, and pray over them. And they have continued to live for very, very long periods of time. I have a good friend who is who is terminally ill and he was supposed to die uh, within six months of his diagnosis. And nine years later, he's still going strong. Still kicking. And so what would you do in that kind of a situation? You know, we now have a situation where that, and, you know, that person has seen, has lived to see, you know, their, their daughter get married and have a grandchild and, you know, so many wonderful things mm. that would have been, you know, just, Gone if they had selected the option of voluntary euthanasia. Yeah. If they, you know, you're terminally ill, you're going to be in pain, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And some people are like, yep, I'll take this option right here. And so what it does is it plays God. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. It assumes that what the doctor says is 100% correct. Yep. Uh, and it doesn't just play God, but it also takes God out of the equation. Mm. And so the person I'm referring to is a person of faith and somebody who's been prayed for, somebody who's been anointed, and somebody whom the Lord has kept alive for a very, very long time. Yeah, That's not the only person that I've seen that happen to. I've seen that happen on numbers of occasions. There was a young lady with lupus who was given about the same amount of time to live uh, that we anointed, and I don't even remember, I'm thinking it was like back in 1998 or something like that, and still going strong. Yeah. You know, and and, uh, and and cancer-free. And so, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to take these people's lives that have been given a very short space of time to live and been faced with, you know, oh, you're going to deal with this and that and the other. And it takes God out of the equation. We are not in the business of playing God. We are not in the business of taking God out of the equation. We are not in the business of saying, God, this cancer, this disease, whatever it might be, is too big for you. You can't heal it. And so the most merciful thing we can do is kill this person because really that's what it is. It's a it's a it's a mercy it's a mercy killing, a mercy suicide mm. because well it's a mercy killing because it's not something that you can actually do yourself. So it's it's different from, you know, uh, suicide. Yeah. Now, um, you know, and so from a biblical perspective, this is not a path that we can go down. This no. is not a path that we can even stop and think about. 
the Bible is very clear that life is sacred, and it's the sacredness of life, it's the biblical concept of the sacredness of life that has been at the foundation of Western medicine. And, you know, do no harm is the Hippocratic Oath, basically, that all doctors take. And to bring in voluntary euthanasia is to force doctors against their will or, you know, maybe not against their will, whatever the case might be, but it forces doctors to actually break their Hippocratic Oath and to actually purposefully do harm to human life. Now, I would say that, yes, in many cases, this is possibly going to you know, result in a lot less you know, pain and misery and mm. so forth. But that is not for us to decide and it is not for us to predict. We cannot predict the future. This is Candy and Daryl Corn with Peace in the Valley. Well, I'm tired and I'm weary, but I must toil along till the Lord comes to call me away. Where the morning is bright and the Lamb is the light and the night is as fair as the day. Flowers will be blooming, the grass will be green, and the skies will be clear and serene. The sun ever shines, giving one endless beam, and no clouds there will ever be seen. Sorrow or sad. 
Candy and Daryl Kuhn with Peace in the Valley. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and we've come to the end of the show, which means that I need to give you a reminder that this Saturday morning between 9.30 and 10.30, small group Bible study will be taking place right here live, talk back, um, so you can be a part of a group discussion right here on Faith FM Radio. So we encourage you to join us, uh, join Matt Parra and myself as we do small group Bible study on air here on uh, Faith FM Radio, 9.30, 10.30, Saturday morning, and we'll continue to do that while ever the quarantine lasts. Indeed, the end of the show also means that it is time for our free giveaway. So today, our free giveaway is Amazing Grace, a short Bible study course by Elizabeth uh, Vieira Talbot. So if you would like to get your hands on Amazing Grace, a, a short Bible study course, by all means, give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM or send us a text at 0491-064-669. And if you are the first person through, you'll be receiving a copy of that book. Fantastic. Of course, coming up soon, we have John Bradshaw, one of our favorites here on Faith FM Radio. So stay tuned to have uh, John Bradshaw, good personal friend of mine and a wonderful speaker. Of course, we want to remind you to study your Bible and, uh, well, I guess correspondence and uh, online are the ways to do it these days if you need any help with that. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again.
Uncertainty in uncertain times. Give me 
Give me Jesus. 